CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. As always, uh, we invite you to join our discussion on Twitter at hashtag CTR Live. Uh, today's topic is CIO versus CMO and who's winning. Our guest for today's show is Venkataram uh, Ramaswamy, who's a professor of marketing and computer and information systems with Ross School of Business, University of Michigan at Ann Arbor. Good morning, Venkat. How are you? Good morning, Sanjok. How are you? Very good. Could not be better. So, life treating you good? Yes, and thanks for having me on the show. Definitely. Pleasure is all ours. Uh, the topic that we picked today, uh, you know, this is this is an interesting area. So, while we are by brand CIO Talk Radio, but we said, who else is playing in this field now? And, and one of the uh, titles that came up is the chief marketing officer as, as the businesses uh, are trying to get more in front of customers or get some new revenue going and get creative. So that's where that particular role is, is coming neck to neck with CIO in the race. So now, just to get started to set the stage, would you say the traditional CMO that we had, chief marketing officer, and the traditional CIOs who used to handle just IT, are they changing? Are they overlapping? Or are they are going two different ways? Where where is the landscape? What's the what's the landscape today? Yeah, that's a great way to start. Um, both uh, roles are morphing in many ways. So let me try to summarize some of the key shifts. So uh, on the CIO side, and uh, like you said, uh, you're trying to broaden your show, and essentially CIOs realize that uh, they need to play a much more integral role in terms of creating business value, and we've already seen that shift from where the role is not just about you know hardware, software, and databases, and so on, all of the technical infrastructure, but really realizing that IT has become embedded in business processes. And so we've seen that that shift as uh, CIOs realize they have to kind of pay more attention to creating business value. Now, the second point is that that business value itself is kind of morphing because of this shift coming from the customer and consumer empowerment side, uh, given all of the uh, new media, social media, and all of the new uh, multiple channels of engagement that marketing folks have, for example, with customers. So we are in this kind of new age of uh, engagement, if you will. And that is creating a lot of shifts. And there are a couple of trends there. One is the consumerization of IT, which is in terms of kind of bringing your own devices, uh, you know, into the workplace, consumers having uh, access to many different ways through which they can actually engage with the, with the company's brands, for example. So that's one part of it. But I think the, the deeper kind of trend is the fact that consumers are getting much more empowered and their expectations are changing and they expect more personalization through their engagement. They expect uh, companies to actually deliver more unique value to them uh, in terms of where they are at a particular point in time and what channel they are uh, engaged with. So this need for actually getting down to really focusing uh, for marketing folks to think of the market not just in terms of traditional segments, but really looking at each individual customer at a particular point in time in real time. Uh, they see the opportunity of creating the kind of next round of value there. But in order to kind of uh, do that, 
yeah, then you have to come back and then ask the question, well, do I have all of the technical capabilities to actually be able to integrate all of these different channels, understand where the customers are at a particular point in time? And I think that is where all this tension is because uh, – uh, you're also seeing that uh, marketing folks have now access to cloud-based services, software as a service. So in isolated instances, you can actually create some of these engagement channels and platforms to engage directly with customers. But the, in, in large organizations, as people start to do this, the CMOs realize that you've got to actually do a lot more integration and actually connect it back to business processes, which comes back to IT. So in, in some sense, there is a convergence happening here between IT and marketing, but it's really driven by the convergence between the company as a whole, the enterprise and customers. Now, marketing as a role or, or as a function is essentially about bringing awareness, then perhaps engaging people and somehow in a subtle way lead those individuals to go ahead and uh, take a bite at that product or service or solution that an organization uh, basically offers. Now, with that said, has that approach to how marketing works and how marketing is evaluated, has that changed fundamentally for them to start thinking out of the box and try to innovate? Yes, absolutely. That's a, another great question. I think there's a paradigm shift in marketing itself. And the old paradigm in marketing was one of targeting customers. So I'm the marketer. Uh, I think about my product, my placement, uh, my promotion, uh, advertising, pricing, etc. I think about which set of customers uh, I want to go after. I have a set of products. And then I try to optimize my marketing mix and marketing spend and try to essentially uh, do things to the customer. A lot of it was more of a push kind of model. Now, what's happened today is becoming much more of a two-way uh, process, uh, pull, certainly, but going beyond pull, actually, it's more of the, the consumers and customers also driving from the customer to the company, not necessarily just from the company to the customer. So there's that shift occurring uh, as customers become more demanding, and that's actually shifting uh, the way in which actually marketers think of marketing itself. So if, if that is shifting and, and that shift has to be translated into specific capabilities that uh, the CMO and their team needs, so what is the reason they are trying to take control from soup to nuts? That is, this is my idea, this is my way of working, or this is how I would like to change the way marketing works, and I'm going to take control. Are they not getting support from the other constituents, maybe from executive management, from sponsorships and blessing standpoint, and or from technology or other business? business unit leaders, which could make them successful? Why are they, they trying to be lone warriors? Right. So let's take a couple of examples, and that might help, uh, because there are a couple of uh, forces here. The first one is, uh, we said it's not just a company to customer, right? It's customer to company. But the reality is, it's also customer to customer. Customers today, you know, interact actually on their own, whether it's Facebook or, you know, so many different uh, channels and websites out there. So they can actually have a conversation amongst themselves, independent of the company. Now, that's uh, traditionally uh, has threatened a lot of marketing folks who realize that they need to bring that conversation into their living room, so to speak, rather than have it out there, which means that you have to not connect back with the company. And um, uh, if you actually look at uh, some of the recent studies, so there was a recent uh, global social media study, which uh, had over, I think, about 1,000 participants, and almost 40% of the folks actually there were, uh, said that they were very interested in actually engaging directly with companies and actually participating in the company's marketing activities um, and you know, being kind of brand ambassadors, uh, influencing marketing campaigns, and so on and so forth. So you're actually seeing that uh, fans of brands are actually eager to actually participate, uh, give feedback, certainly, but also share their experiences. 
of brands with other customers. Now, traditionally, all of this was all orchestrated by marketing. You know, it is a much more closed system. Now, it's, it's a much more open system. And so what is happening is marketing folks realize that they have to, therefore, actually, in some sense, cede some control. Uh, to give you a specific example, uh, without um, you know, taking uh, names per se, but one of the large kind of uh, automobile companies actually in the U.S. recently, essentially when it launched um, one of their vehicles, they actually um, uh, found that um, there were a lot of people in the social media you know, who essentially could be very influential. So they actually engaged about 100 of these people and gave them a platform to actually describe their experience right, uh, in terms of their you know, driving experience and usage of the car and so on and so forth of the vehicle, actually. And um, what that uh, did was essentially these, these folks then were able to drive interest amongst those folks who were in the market for that vehicle and it actually accelerated the sales of cars, you know, even just in the first week of the launch and generated a lot of inquiries on the company's website. Now, one has to then respond to all of those inquiries in a very kind of consistent manner uh, and, and, and uh, you know, integrate that response uh, across various channels, whether it's uh, the mobile platform or, you know, directly uh, uh, with, with customers. And that's where the integration of um, all the data across different kind of silos comes in in order to actually give the response and, and, and engage back with consumers. So a lot of what uh, was in your question, Sanjog, was this is kind of causing some of uh, the marketing folks in some sense on the one hand saying, for me to create business value, I need to now actually uh, start doing these things in terms of uh, responses and real-time interactions back with customers. But when you turn around and then you start to now uh, engage uh, with uh, the IT, you also run into issues of lack of flexibility uh, in the business processes in order to make changes. Uh, so, for example, maybe even just making some changes on product information on a website, sometimes that is hard to do um, uh, in some companies. So you're essentially saying the timely availability of the change that marketing wants in order to react to That's the right. demands uh, that are being posed is what is causing them to take control. Now, it's good that marketing wants to be proactive, and it's good that they are thinking in the best interest. Sometimes when we try to go into that overzealous mode, do you think there are some bigger mistakes made than the improvements that they were initially seeking? Yeah, now actually, to make the discussion more balanced, to be fair to now to the technology side, maybe it's worth taking a look at, okay, how is the CIO and the, the, the tech side kind of reacting to this, right? From their perspective, it's also important to realize that a lot of what they have to do is also manage risk, uh, manage security, manage privacy. There are lots of those things which perhaps on the marketing side, you know, that's not top of mind. So, so, so there's a role that uh, the, uh, the CIO office, the tech folks play in terms of kind of ensuring that a system is secure and it is scalable and things like that. Um, so I think what is, what is happening here is that where I find that there is a much more um, uh, amicable relationship between the IT function and the marketing function in the sense of where the IT actually uh, gets more involved. Uh, and to give a practical example, um, uh, I actually had experience where uh, w one of the companies that I was uh, consulting with, essentially the company uh, on the marketing side was actually working on a new initiative, marketing uh, initiative, and they had actually worked with external partners. And 
they actually did not make any uh, request to the IT folks, but the partners essentially brought a cloud-based collaboration platform to say, hey, this is how we're going to actually share information on the project. And when the marketing folks tried to use that, it, they ran up against firewalls and security issues and things, and they were not actually able to uh, you know, upload files and share things in the way in which uh, they wanted to. Uh, sometimes it's user permissions, who would get access to what, and uh, access control rights, and so on. So... Uh, what actually happened there was, in that particular case, given the culture of the company, essentially what they realized is that um, if they could actually involve the IT folks before they actually made that decision to engage with the partner, so they could do a quick review uh, of, of uh, you know, w- what is going to be used. And now in that co- organization, IT is becoming more and more kind of open to actually collaborating with the marketing folks. Uh, they realized that by doing that, it actually helps them uh, in, in other words, it can be a win-win situation. And so they have now constructed uh, an organizational structure where within the uh, IT organization, there are uh, specific people who are kind of have roles and responsibilities in, in, in the business lines, and they actually engage with the, uh, the, the, um, with, the, with the marketing folks in terms of a specific initiative. And that is helping a lot. And the IT people feel like, okay, now I'm being involved in it. Clearly, you need to have some technical understanding or appreciate the fact that there are lots of underlying technical issues. Likewise, I think the IT people are now realizing why marketing people, in this particular uh, instance, uh, have this kind of pressure, and they're seeing how that to create that external kind of business value, they need to uh, essentially make these capabilities much more dynamic, like we said, more agile, more responsive, more flexible. Do you think we can eat the cake and have it too? You could have one agenda for IT that you keep things predictable and uh, grow it in an incremental space and or a managed uh, pace. And marketing, of course, would like to uh, get some ideas put into execution and realize at the speed of thought. And, and if that's not set, like the expectations on both sides have to be, as you mentioned, the balance is key, but what is that balance? Yeah, so let's take a practical example. I think one of the great examples today is Starbucks. Uh, where in that organization, and this is well known, uh, you know, if you look at Chris uh, Brazo, who led a lot of the technological changes in the last uh, five years, uh, when Howard Schultz came back as CEO in 2008, uh, and he's really turned around the company, you know, IT has played a very huge role, although it's, it's more in terms of creating customer experiences. And to give some specific examples, uh, they have done a fantastic job of essentially, if, if you look at how Starbucks engages now its, uh, all its customers uh, through social media, uh, you know, in Facebook, it's kind of one of the top brands out there. And uh, also on mobile platforms, uh, if you look at the Starbucks app and so on, all of those things are ways in which people can get engaged. But most importantly, what they've also realized is that uh, IT is actually very strategic. So if you look at one of the big initiatives, which was my Starbucks idea, that's a platform. It's, it's uh, essentially done jointly by the IT marketing folks. Uh, it's a platform that allows any customer anywhere in the world to submit an idea to Starbucks. And uh, Starbucks then has processes uh, kind of underneath it in terms of actually taking those and uh, deciding kind of what makes uh, um, business sense. And they've implemented about 150 ideas off of their platform. The point is from the customer side, the customers feel that here's a company that's listening. They feel much more connected and uh, they are able to have a much more direct conversation with customers uh, and create what they call this kind of scene culture so that even people inside the company uh, can have kind of, uh, you know, IT has a seat at the search table, so it's marketing, but also people like in food and beverage uh, as they've expanded now, you know, to 
their food lines to become more of a kind of a wellness company, which is kind of where they're going, uh, having dropped the word coffee from their brand. It's just known as Starbucks. So I think what they see IT as strategic. So in companies where I find that they realize that IT is strategic, and you're starting to see evidence of this. For example, GM has brought back a lot of its IT outsourcing back to Michigan. GE is doing the same. So I think there's growing awareness among CEOs that IT is really becoming part and parcel of a strategic capability. And those organizations, I think they're paying a lot more attention to actually creating platforms internally to actually have these different groups kind of be on the same platform in terms of how decisions get made. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, let's talk about money. So we always have traditionally heard uh, IT saying that we have to do more with less and in some cases more with nothing. And then on the other hand, CMOs have, uh, at least at least the way it looks like, that it, they are getting many more blessings, many more approvals for their projects, which is almost like play money, go try these different things, which in turn will bring some innovation, bring some more inbound uh, awareness and leads from the different customers and prospects. So is there something new and better that uh, CMOs have been able to do along with their organization to attract that money and which then is funneled through to IT? So is, is CMO going to become the funding source for IT going forward so that uh, from, from anywhere when uh, money comes, color of money is the same and then IT can actually deliver value to the business. Is that how the money is going to flow going forward? Let's explore when we come back. Please stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take control of e-discovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So let's talk about money. We always had this issue with uh, the funding for IT and marketing seems to be getting uh, many, many projects getting approved and they're running uh, and moving forward. And maybe that's how the money is going to come through. So do you think this could truly be used in the best interest of business where let that uh, CMO go and bell the cat, get the dollars and let IT deliver value? And and uh, both parties win, and in that whole process, the company wins. Well, you're starting to see some of that, especially in more marketing-oriented companies. Uh, so it really depends on on the company. So you know, if you take more of the consumer, uh, um, uh, uh, the more of the customer kind of product companies, uh, you, you see that. So I think a, a very good example of that is Nike. Uh, Nike clearly has been you know a very strong marketing-oriented company, right? So. Uh, if you look at a lot of its initiatives over the last uh, six, seven years, 
Um, a lot of it has actually come from marketing. So, in fact, they uh, first created, uh, uh, I remember, uh, I think it was Trevor Edwards uh, and uh, Stefan Olander, uh, who runs the digital marketing operation there at Nike. Essentially, they uh, found an opportunity to really connect, for example, with, with the runners. Uh, this was when uh, the uh, Apple iPod Nano had come out, and they started seeing that a lot of people were using uh, uh, iPods, running with music. And um, they really started by creating a site saying, you know, let's do build a running community site. And uh, it was called Runners Community, where you could, you know, find other runners to run with and, and message them and so on and so forth. And that was came out of marketing. Uh, it was more of kind of a brand building, connecting with the customer's initiative. But in all of these, what typically happens is then that begins to morph because uh, they then realized that uh, they could actually bring some technology into it. So in, in, in this case, what actually happened was from the technology side, they realized that, that sensors were becoming uh, very kind of uh, pervasive um, uh, and, you know, as Apple introduced iPhone, uh, it ha- came with a sensor, and you could actually collect data about your running. Uh, that was a, a technology move, not necessarily from a classic kind of IT function, but from the technology side of the business. But IT became involved in terms of actually integrating that into their platform, which is now called Nike Plus, where essentially uh, you know you you essentially run and it it keeps track of your running. But it's really the center of gravity there uh, at Nike is clearly on the marketing side in terms of you know building that brand. And so when it came time to uh, build an app, uh, because uh, you could run with a smartphone, for example, and that could keep track of your data. Uh, it, it came a lot from the marketing budget, uh, speaking of where the money comes from. But interestingly, what they did was shift the mix from classic media and so on to actually putting, so marketing actually shifted the proportion of its budget. 60, 70% of it went actually into direct connection with customers. Uh, and so by actually efficient reallocation of the, the marketing budget, it actually created room for them to actually experiment with, with IT. Now, that's one part of the story. Now, the story has, is uh, interesting because it goes back to a point I made earlier that they work a lot with uh, advertising agencies, right? And today you see a lot of these digital media companies who are actually coming, knocking on companies' doors, the marketing folks, and saying, hey, I can, uh, we can create a software for you, create a platform. And that's creating this kind of perverse trend of marketing kind of saying, hey, I, you know, it's not intentionally going around IT, so to speak, but... Uh, in reality, there are a lot of those kind of uh, community and social enhan- uh, social media enhancement platforms, which um, uh, are not traditional IT. So in the case of Nike, they essentially uh, worked with RGA, I think it was their advertising agency, and these agencies are now becoming IT savvy, so to speak, and they came with a kind of a platform saying, hey, we have a platform where people, you know, we can, we can, you can have conversations with the customers, uh, you can customize shoes on this platform. So why don't we kind of move the needle forward? Now, that's an interesting dilemma, and I, I'm seeing this in a lot of companies, where, so as a marketing person now, you know, I have to, on the creative side, in terms of marketing campaigns, I've worked with these agencies. They are bringing some technologies to the table. So IT is coming from outside the enterprise. And then I have to turn around and then kind of deal with the internal IT function. So I think that's a very interesting tension. Uh, and I think it, there are some interesting ways in which that might move forward. Now, while we spoke about money, the people, the mindset of the people, marketers uh, may come from the creative side, and of course, there is creativity within IT as well. How do you get the, you know, the Mars and the Venus uh, work together? Uh, can you just repeat the question? In the sense, they are two from two different planets, right? 
marketing folks and the IT folks. So yes, you get the money, you got to get the the needs translated. Right. And it's, it's, it's almost like one is from Mars, another one is from <laughs> Jupiter. Right. Um, yeah. So I think if you look at the more progressive companies, you'll see that uh, they're trying to essentially change, for example, some of their hiring practices, right? So increasingly, if you look at companies like Starbucks, B&G, Nike, a lot of these companies, the marketing uh, folks uh, have to have some technical understanding. So one way to solve the problem you're talking about is it, it can be that, you know, I'm a marketing person, you know, I'm totally you know, agnostic to technology or I have no clue. Clearly, that's not the focus. But in order to have a conversation with somebody on the technology side, so if you work for Amazon, at Amazon, people are expected to have a technology understanding. At the same time, you know, Amazon is, is a very customer-oriented company. Uh, and so I think that's, these are the kinds of companies that are, I think, showing us what the enterprise of the future is going to look like. And, and this kind of false distinctions we have that you have a tech and a marketing. The reality is tech is in marketing today. So marketing folks need their understanding. Likewise, IT folks who have come a long way in terms of connecting with business, now actually they have to go one more step forward because they really have to engage with external customers and external stakeholders like I was discussing with agencies because if they don't do that, what is happening in these companies is that, um, so for example, going back to the, uh, the advertising creative side, so you'll have an agency come and agency brings its own IT platform and uh, then marketing starts to use it and engage with it. And uh, in some sense, you, you start losing that opportunity because uh, the, the uh, agency actually makes the investment, and that's also another trend. So the marketing folks actually, in a lot of these cases, um, the, their partners actually make the investment, um, and they do the IT spend. Uh, so if you're an advertising agency like, like WPP, you are making the investment. And then you go to the marketing folks, and uh, so marketing folks uh, don't quite have to do the IT spend in that sense because they bring a platform through which you can actually engage. Uh, in some cases, there are some software as a service model, so you would just pay for what you use. So the spending is, can be brought down you know, drastically. It's not a capital uh, investment, just an operating investment. And the, the danger now on the IT side looking at this is that maybe you're you know, you're losing your strategic relevance, but then I think this is an issue from, from the CEO perspective to see whether by doing this, essentially, are we better off actually uh, making some core investments in building our own platforms for building our brand like Starbucks has done with customers, while simultaneously, uh, as you actually engage in specific campaigns, IT has to learn to actually work with those external vendors and external platforms so that you actually have, uh, you know, kind of the best of both worlds. So you're, you're minimizing your cost and your investment on the one hand and maximizing the impact and at the same time not losing your kind of your, your strategic capital. Now, you mentioned that CEO has to look at it. Now, when it comes to an agency working with a marketing organization, an agency investing money, it's kind of cost of doing business for them. Whereas if you were to ask corporate IT to make investment, it's like sunk cost without having any assured outcome. And frankly, the way IT is measured even today, that how do you associate with precise value creation? People start talking about ROI and TCO much before the, the things actually happen. And that's what pulls them back from being able to make an investment. Even if they want to, they cannot because they're being measured differently. So should you have a, 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 you can say a piece of IT allocated to marketing, which is not questioned, and you yes, get no, some play there money. Are, uh, some of, there's some of that going. That's a good point. Uh, but I think there's an even larger trend that's happening that I'm seeing. It's just happening, uh, and I think it's going to get amplified. And that might change 
the kind of nature of this game. So let me explain that. Um, if you look at what's happening from the IT side, you have now, let's bring in now another set of players in the ecosystem, which are the technology vendors, the consulting companies, like the uh, IBMs, the Accentures, and uh, Infosys, and Wipro, and Tata Consulting Service of the World. These IT companies are essentially an HCL and so on. There are many, many uh, IT kind of uh, technology consulting companies. What they're actually starting to do is to have take their, their relationship with the CIOs and tell the CIOs, hey, we understand this problem of yours that you just described. What we will do is we will offer you platforms as a, as a service to keep your costs down so that you don't make the investments. And in fact, what's happening is just like the agencies, these companies are actually helping build the platforms and uh, having the, the uh, kind of so alleviating the burden on the IT folks. So in those companies where the CIOs are smart enough to see the fact that, you know, you know, in fact, in a lot of these companies, they work very, very closely with some of these uh, IT organizations. There, what I find is a very different dynamic where the CIOs work closely with these companies to be able to actually manage this whole process in terms of uh, making these investments on the platform side. Uh, there will be, of course, ongoing maintenance costs and operating expenditures, but that gives them a way out. And uh, of course, the flip side of it is that the, these technology consulting companies also obviously try to extract value from there. So I think the answer lies in uh, creating what I call uh, a, a model of co-creation. And let me just give you a very specific example. So uh, recently, last year, um, uh, WPP, which is the advertising agency, and we just were talking about those folks, they actually have, uh, have invested in a technology company called Fabric, which is a subsidiary of WPP. Now, WPP essentially realized that from its perspective, they found a company like Infosys kind of going directly to the CMOs and saying, hey, we understand your problem in terms of uh, advertising this and you know, dealing with WPP. We can actually help you there. And they have also a connection with the CIOs. So they actually served as kind of like this part of the triangle between CMOs, CIOs and the technology consulting company and saying, hey, we will help you deal with the, your external partners uh, in your marketing campaign. Now, WPP was smart enough to see this and essentially said, well, wait a minute, we want to be part of this mix. We want to make it, you know, a square, <laughs> right? So let's, let's uh, kind of, let's all kind of collaborate and work together. And I think that's a very interesting model. And they just launched a platform uh, where WPP has a platform that its clients use to engage with them on the creatives. That platform is actually built by Infosys and they work closely with both the IT side and the marketing side. So you got these four players uh, or the two functions in, in, inside a company, then you got the, uh, the external uh, agency partner and Infosys making the investments and actually creating the platform, I think it's called Brand Edge. And essentially, that's a platform that helps the CMO integrate various kinds of uh, uh, you know, content and data uh, and actually manage campaigns across different platforms, helps them actually be very efficient in the dealing with the agency, helps the marketing folks uh, kind of get what they want in terms of connect with the customer. IT folks get to reduce the spending. And Infosys benefits from this whole process by providing this platform. So if you look at this model, what I call like this ecosystem model, I think that's kind of showing a model of the future, but all these parties are, are winning. So it's kind of win, 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 win all around. So to me, uh, that's the kind of models in the future that I think companies should start thinking about in order to essentially not just solve the problem, but actually make it a, make it a win for everybody. 
Let's take a quick uh, break, listeners. When we come back, let's talk about the specific, uh, like, for example, the uh, the very scenario that uh, you mentioned, Venkat, uh, just before like we announced this break. Uh, we, we are talking about the four entities, the agency, the partner, technology partner, the, the marketing organization, and the IT organization. In fact, the genesis of this topic was from uh, based on uh, some feedback that we got from a very large consulting firm where they're saying that we rather now work more and more with the CMOs because that's where the money is. And that's where the freedom and or initiatives are, which are actually getting executed because we have to count our pennies when it comes to working with the CIOs. If this is how it's going to go, and CIOs, of course, cannot get everything executed without having those partner relationships, and partners are giving more uh, you know, better treatment and or they're, they're looking up to the CMO to get the money because that's what they are in for, for themselves. That is, they are trying to get business from them. This kind of starts leaving the IT organization in, in a rather a stepchild mode. But is that something that we can convert back into that they are truly the same level players versus a stepchild? Because no love, nobody, no, no organization, no, no, no individual likes to be a stepchild. Because if we don't do it, at the end of the day, when we want technology to actually create value and still have integration and security and predictability for the organization, there is a set of demotivated people in the square who would want who will do it because there is a directive but they will not do it with the best interest or in the best uh, enthusiasm how do we counter the situation please stay tuned we'll be right back and explore when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network Take control of e-discovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So just to reiterate the stepchild syndrome that IT may be facing in, in the four pillars of that uh, that we spoke about the agency, the marketing, the outsourcing arm, and um, you know the very IT. So, so if IT does not, or the CIO's organization does not get the required treatment, and or they are just eventually uh, left to be doers because even the outsource providers are also salivating over all the newfound uh, power that the CMO's organization have, and agency works with them, then then there is not much left for CIOs to be able to enable and or play a lead role in. It's not a very good position to be in. But before 
you get to that position? What is it that they can do in order to preserve their power, their, uh, their status within the organization? Yeah, so that's a very good point. That's certainly one of the big dangers. Um, and so essentially, in my mind, what you're really going to see is that this uh, role of IT kind of morphing to become more strategic or put another way, if IT is not seen as strategic or, or if you know, it's, not, it's not enough in, in terms of linking IT to business process as we've been discussing. So you're really talking about uh, IT playing a you know, much, much more strategic role in terms of value creation and innovation than in the past. So I think IT uh, has to go beyond just operations to innovation uh, and really connect with the idea of new business models uh, and new ways in which uh, organizations create value. And if you look at the examples that I talked about earlier, like Starbucks and Nike and Apple, and you can go down the list of all the companies that have created wealth in the last five years, and you'll see Amazon and so on and so forth. And all these companies, uh, the role of IT has really been elevated to actually building engagement platforms. And so it's not just uh, the traditional IT, which is getting commoditized, so to speak. Uh, and at the same time, uh, if you look at uh, what we've been discussing in terms of the increased power on the marketing side, if you look at the challenges they're going to face, actually, IT can play a very strategic role there, a very important role, because a lot of it has to do with uh, integration issues. It, it has to do with issues of linkability, uh, integrativity, making sure that these platforms generate value. So... To put it another way, unless IT steps up to the plate and actually uh, brings that you know, value inside the organization of essentially connecting with all of these business forces and uh, taking a much more strategic role than it has in the past, it certainly has the um, danger of uh, you know, becoming kind of the stepchild that you mentioned. Now, who is left holding the bag? Because, yes, but CMO's organization may get a lot of money and they get these agencies and or partners to build something. And then after some time when that ongoing need to manage it becomes more costly, they'll say, let's bring it in-house. And then the IT is supposed to then handle it. And then the money comes out of that particular IT's organization and it is put under the OPEX, which if it goes high, people frown upon. So how can we prevent, or, or to what degree would you say CMO's organization has the authority but maybe after the fact, uh, accountability to ensure that they keep footing the bill for maintaining it, because otherwise you're just increasing the amount of work for IT after, after all those initial jazz has been taken care of and the value has been creating because there's a lot of diminishing returns of any of these initiatives. Yes, so I think you need to separate out, when you look at budgets, those that are in terms of making platform investments and those kind of investments, like we talked about, IT has partners in a lot of these technology companies where in the more progressive ones, the CIOs actually bring ideas uh, through these companies and through the stakeholders. And you're starting to see that in terms of uh, what, for example, Infosys would call innovation co-creation. And that's kind of spreading around, which is essentially saying that uh, going back to those four entities, the, the technology consulting companies kind of partnering with the IT side and bringing some new ideas to the table uh, and uh, sharing some of that investment in the process. So, so IT actually, the CIO is kind of uh, uh, playing a role in terms of actually bringing new business ideas to the table, to the organization, which go beyond marketing in some cases. So that's, that's kind of one thing. And that's more in terms of uh, uh, platform budgets. Uh, but if you come to the product and services side, 
and in terms of just ongoing uh, delivery of services, uh, which then you know affect like you know marketing budgets and marketing campaigns and marketing activities in terms of targeting customers, segmenting, uh, promoting, and all the classic stuff that marketing still has to do, campaign management, and so on. In those cases, uh, I think that's kind of uh, the question that he had was that's where you would have this uh, uh, tension because uh, on the one hand, yes, you can go and do these things and then marketing uh, also realizes that somebody has to essentially maintain, uh, you know, continuously revise the applications. And so, so as IT is becoming more applications focused, uh, it, you know, you need to have budgets which essentially uh, support essentially the, the marketing function. So I've seen companies where essentially there's a joint budget for these things uh, because it's actually done at the level of, of, okay, in terms of these activities, these are the the core activities. Let me give a simple example just to illustrate the basic point here. So in one of the companies, essentially, they have split the transaction part, the transaction engine, and things that have to do in terms of pricing and so on, uh, where you have a lot of security and risk issues, which are actually managed by IT, and that's where the budget goes, from things which have to do in terms of changing product information, um, you know, linking with social media, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, and so on and so forth, uh, and, and trying to do the social engagement. So that social piece uh, and kind of ongoing engagement has has been kind of uh, hived off and also the, um, you know, uh, updation of the product uh, information and catalogs, those kinds of things, which require frequent updates from the underlying part where actually uh, people engage in transactions. Uh, so these are all, I think, ways in which um, the, the two entities uh, in those companies kind of come together to kind of decide which are some areas where IT essentially would have a piece, areas where marketing has a piece. So really what we're talking about is much more better internal collaboration amongst the marketing and IT functions than between IT and the technology vendors. You're starting to see a lot of collaboration and co-creation uh, as well as from the marketing partners. So I think it's trying to find ways in which all these different stakeholders can become involved together. And I'm seeing a shift where people are having a lot more dialogue amongst themselves and in the progressive companies uh, well before like they either introduce a new product or a new campaign, kind of bringing all the different people uh, who, uh, you know, would have some say in it. So in other words, you know, IT can bring the technical perspective, what are the issues and challenges. So I think sometimes what happens in a lot of companies is that this, this kind of dialogue doesn't take place. And when things start getting executed very rapidly, uh, or like the project example I discussed earlier, and then you run into an issue, then it's like you know, trying to put out a fire. So I think there has to be much more proactive uh, collaboration and co-creation amongst the different units. And that actually requires uh, 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 proactively building platforms for that, and that actually becomes a much more senior-level decision because the budget for that, uh, in places where I've seen it work, has come from the top, uh, where the leadership realizes that they need to have uh, a decision-making platform which actually brings these different entities together, and then the various entities go off and execute their stuff. Now, what about the risk of uh, leakage of budget leakage in or uh, abuse of that budget where it's not an intended one. However, when you go to, uh, say, an agency or an outsourced partner, everybody's there to make money. Of course, they are not there to gouge. We will go with that uh, premise. However, the due diligence that can be done by the technology folks in partnership with marketing 
so that when a solution is proposed, what is its direct cost that is, uh, is, is that a fair cost that is being charged? The, what is the, whatever is going to be delivered, is that sustainable? And is, is that, can you easily integrate that in the rest of the enterprise DNA and architecture? All of that, if not asked upfront, then you're going to create a potpourri of different applications and, and capabilities, which actually become far more expensive to maintain going forward. So the sustainability starts becoming a challenge. So is IT invited, at least at the due diligence level, for before even an agency and or an outsourcing partner, uh, after even they have pitched something and if something is being done, is IT at least allowed it to do that due diligence? Yeah, so actually when you look around and you see successful examples, you see that that certainly kind of ought to happen and happens. Or let me put it this way, in places where uh, that happens, you find actually things being much more smoother. Now, if you actually study those examples, and I've studied some of those, what you actually find is that remarkably in those organizations, they put as much emphasis on social media inside the organization as externally with customers. And if you actually think about it, that's not such a radical thing. It's just that sometimes we forget that there are that, that these different entities inside the organization, you know, everybody has an internal customer, so to speak. So in, in a lot of these companies, I find they realize that they need to have these kind of internal collaboration platforms using the same kinds of social media, right, but inside the company so that there are much more richer conversations. Now, somebody has to take responsibility for that, and that's where the challenge comes as to who kind of owns that. And I've seen cases where it, is, it comes from the top uh, leadership that those kinds of things actually end up uh, being far more effective because then there's a platform uh, through which actually the quality of the decision-making is enhanced and ensures that and it depends on how you design it. So in places where it's successful, it's actually designed for more inclusive engagement of all these parties. Uh, it allows uh, to understand what are people's intentions here, uh, ensure that different parties' perspectives are, are, are brought, that there is some level of transparency around, that people have access to each other's intentions in terms of what they're trying to accomplish. And so the, the challenge here is it obviously puts, uh, uh, in terms of decision-making cycle, you need to kind of, at the front end, you know, have some time for this. Uh, but sometimes things get shortchanged, and then you kind of, in a way, you have to suffer the consequences of a lot of fragmentation, like you were, uh, you were saying earlier. And then essentially, that's where problems start. But I think companies where there's much more proactive um, uh, uh, engagement of these different internal stakeholders and actually having a platform in place for those conversations to happen in a very structured manner, so going through the various business risks, uh, you know, security risks, the different types of risks, are, are kind of people go through it. And there's actually a process. Uh, sometimes it's like, you know, a 30-day process where that due diligence takes place, but it's a multi-stakeholder due diligence, ensuring that certain pieces are not missed. And, what, and fundamentally, what we find when you talk to the people is that people feel that so long as they had a voice in it, they actually feel a lot more involved and come up with ideas. And in fact, if the platform is also designed to actually tap into the creativity of people, that actually goes a long way in terms of ensuring you know, much more buy-in and uh, you know, uh, interaction inside the organization. And um, that actually leads to a lot more successful um, kind of implementations uh, and actually makes things a lot more efficient all around. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and talk about 
uh, possible risk of blind leading another blind. We, when we say this, what we mean here is the big data or social media or cloud. Yes, cloud has been around for a little bit. Big data is in a hype cycle and social media. They've always been trying to see what it can do. The ROI still is being measured in or people are not always able to put a number that if I'm investing X, X number of dollars, how much am I getting out of it? With these things already, even if traditionally was given to IT and they're grappling to figure out how they can create the best value out of it. And then uh, CMOs come and their organization says, let's leverage it to create more value or at least experiment. So who is supposed to lead who, even if they work together, but they are both equally uh, naive, you can say it's maybe it's a bold statement, but given the, the newness of the very technology, both parties are not as experienced. So who should come from outside or from within the organization to help both of them as the two groups to make the company more successful and not just have, uh, you know, investments made, but it's 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 like uh, done in a way where the value is truly not created. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Take control of e-discovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, we are talking about uh the the blind maybe leading another blind or or these both entities which is CMO and CS organization have to deal with this newer technologies while they want to use them but maybe they both don't know how to the degree where they can ensure a predictable result so maybe cloud or big data or social media almost all of them are struggling with showing the ROI and of course you know what it's going to cost to manage these uh, uh technologies in house so what is being done to make sure that if we are going to be investing in these technologies and internally we are not as capable and are enlightened about what the results can be, where should these both parties go? Yeah, so that's a great question. So let's uh, take uh, a few examples and also I think some key points in this area. So there's a huge movement now, as we know, with big data, cloud computing, uh, and just really the increased power of analytics. So I think that would be an example of when you talked about um, uh, the blind leading the blind. Uh, you know, I think of uh, this parable of the five blind people and the elephant, where you know each blind person touches one part of the elephant and imagines uh, you know a different uh, animal. 
And I think uh, you can see this kind of manifested in the sense that uh, you talked about the need for both parties to come together to create value. I think uh, first, you know, we have to become more value-centric uh, in terms of these functions. But I think the customer increasingly is bringing a different perspective of value. I think they're looking at value through the lens of their own customer experiences, which is much more contextualized. It depends on where I am, what I'm doing, which channel I'm in. And it's very personal. Uh, and I think uh, if you go back to the history of how we have created value in our uh, products and services, uh, it has tended to be more in terms of our activities, our processes, and you know, marketing creates marketing offers to customers. And all of that doesn't go away. But I think increasingly it's not enough. And so if you look at the actual animal out there, uh, uh, value is getting much more personal, much more unique. People are looking for very meaningful experiences. And so I think the answer lies in essentially a process of engaging customers, not just like I, I'm going to gather data from you, and then I'm going to analyze it independently of you. So I think the smarter companies are realizing that you need to create value with the customer and for the customer. But I think there's too much emphasis today with big data and analytics in terms of four. Now, the four is important because, uh, to give a simple example, uh, increasingly uh, you can use a lot of this data uh, to do what people call predictive real-time analytics, which is certainly the trend in terms of doing much more event-based uh, analysis, uh, especially since today you can get data uh, from different sources. So to give a simple practical example, uh, you know, one of the uh, beer companies recently you know, did something kind of very interesting where essentially uh, it basically uh, could tell, uh, of course, you know, where a person was, assuming you had already subscribed to it and you're using uh, their app and so on and so forth. So you, they had the location information. They knew where you are. They knew the kind of temperature of the, uh, the area you're in. And so if you, and what they basically did was, if you are in a place where they're seeing that it's getting to be a very hot day, while people are likely to be thirsty, well, sure, I can tempt you with an offer for a beer, but I actually know what beer you like. And they actually gave information right in the same app of, okay, here are some pubs in the area, and they actually carry this beer. And if you go to this particular pub, you know, you'll get you know, uh, uh, an increased discount, for example. Something simple like that. Well, that's a classic kind of from the company to the customer marketing promotion. But as you can see here, it's much more real-time. It's much more trying to engage the customer, uh, depending on all these other variables that you couldn't uh, uh, engage with before. But the interesting question here is, if I am the beer drinker, well, is that kind of what I want at that point in time? And so how do you actually then engage me in a conversation so that we can kind of co-create a, a, an experience for me where I'm actually involved in terms of what I'm looking for? Maybe my context is different. Maybe now I'm with friends or I'm with a significant other or, or I'm on, on travel or, you know, it's the time of day where I don't drink or whatever. So I think as companies start to realize that they also need to get contextualized, I think if they can think about how to involve the customer so that they don't make a lot of guesses Clearly, by the analytics can help them uh, personalize things, but I think there's a lot of opportunity to create platforms where the customers can become much more involved uh, in the value they receive. Uh, so if I'm a hotel, like being able to, to participate in kind of, you know, the kind of the rewards that make sense to me rather than just you giving me some options, the same with uh, an airline in terms of having access to the menu before I board the flight, maybe for all the frequent travelers. If, I, if I'm like you know, a Diamond member, uh, I personally don't 
uh, a lot of times get you know the meal I'd requested, or I don't even know what's on the menu. But if those could be made transparent before I board a flight, for example, those are ways in which I think um, you can go beyond the kind of big data analytics, uh, which clearly are ways by which you can keep you can analyze things. But I think people, uh, both sides, are missing out on kind of where the, the the value puck is moving. To use that Wayne Gretzky metaphor, it's it's actually moving towards kind of me as a customer wanting to take more control of my experience, and, and I'm willing to pay for that. And so uh, involve me uh, uh, in, in, in ways in which I can essentially construct an experience that's of value to me. And that takes the burden a little bit off from the marketing and the IT side in terms of trying to guess what the customer wants. All right, 30 seconds. What do you think you would have as a message to both CIOs and CMOs in their respective organizations? So instead of racing against each other or perceived to be racing against each other, perhaps they can run together in a relay race or, or any other race which would actually make the business become a winner. Right. So at a practical level, I think, um, uh, as I always say, you can't boil the ocean. Start small in terms of maybe a particular initiative where there is a real imperative for this collaboration to happen. So if the marketing, uh, just to take an example, so there is, let's say, a new uh, you know, brand extension um, being rolled out and there's some new campaign associated with it. Well, here's a chance uh, to actually uh, take that particular uh, initiative and look at kind of what role can IT play, involve them, uh, whether it's in terms of helping them do the, the project execution better uh, or once the product is launched, uh, uh, have better engagement with the community of users. So I think you need to pick those very specific areas and then kind of map like, you know, who are the stakeholders that we think ought to be involved and uh, what is the platform through which a conversation can take place so that they get some transparency into kind of what we are seeing, what the value and what are the risks we see. And also be open to actually understanding from their perspective what are the value and the risks they see and essentially using this as a kind of a learning mechanism for actually figuring out how to actually create value together. So I think I've seen instances where people start making these kind of modest steps uh, and actually create uh, kind of meeting platforms, if you will, right, to, to enhance the quality of uh, decision makers of people, kind of understand what each party is seeing and taking that to, to the next logical step of then connecting those with the uh, management process inside the company to actually create more value effectively, you know, with, with both sides kind of participating uh, in as, as much equally as possible. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so very much, Venkat, for sharing your thoughts about how CIOs and CMOs could actually win together. Thank you so much. Thank you so much again. And listeners, uh, please, uh, as usual, we request you uh, to follow us on Twitter, hashtag CIO Talk Radio and or CTR Live. Uh, thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sanjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy. CIO Talk Radio was brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions.